This message by Jake Simmons was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Jake serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Wonderful to be together. Please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today we're going to continue. This will be the second and final message in a Two message series, God's Empowering Presence. Bill began that last week. And this morning, we're going to consider spiritual gifts. And I think there's a great illustration that just happened. Stephen did a great effort at commending donuts being back. But there takes a certain level and interest in gifting in really wanting to announce. I mean, you got to remember... It has been years since we have enjoyed a deep-fried, delicious, warm donut. And there's only one way to do that. But we are going to be considering and remembering God's empowering presence in our lives. And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 to do that and to encourage our souls. Before we read the text, I did want to tell you about my friend. He, He has an old Ford pickup truck. And he was driving this truck and it needed some work to be done on it. And so he took this truck to a friend. And while his truck was being worked on, this friend was kind enough to let him borrow his car. And uh, this friend's car, who was working on my friend's car, was no pickup truck. This thing had power. This thing had 630 horsepower, a 6.2 liter supercharged V8 engine, which I don't even know what it means, but man, sounds like that thing can go with a top speed of about 200 miles an hour. And so when, when my friend got this car, he, he was aware the power that was under the hood of this car. He knew what was at his disposal And so he drove this car for a few days, he returned the car, but he was a little disappointed. You know, his his friend that was working on his car got in the car with him, said, hey, do you like the car? And my friend was saying, yes, but I never was really able to experience the power of this car. I was never really able to taste what was under this 630 horsepower engine. Well, the owner of this car took my friend for a spin, and he said that when he hit the pedal. It was this exhilarating power that went through him. It was like being on a roller coaster that he was like, okay, here is the power of this car. Here is what this engine is capable of. And he said it was unlike anything that he had ever had experienced. And the owner said, you got to punch it a little bit to get it to go. And, And I tell you this story because I think at times... When we think about God's empowering presence in our lives, it's not because of a lack of knowledge of the truth or even the experience of the truth in our lives, but at times what we need is some fresh stirring. What we need is some encouragement about there is power that has been given to us through God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwells in us. And what we need is to encourage one another. We need our faith to be stirred that yes, The Spirit of God dwells within us, and we have power to enjoy God, to know God, and to experience His power afresh. So I ask you this morning, did you come discouraged in your soul? Did you come aware of your sin, 
more than grace. Do you, are you experiencing conflict after conflict in your marriage? Can you just not seem to change? After hearing of God's power last week, did you go into this week thinking that you were going to experience and yet... Once again, you just see failure after failure. Do you feel empty? Do you feel weak? Do you feel discouraged? Well, I think this morning what the Lord wants to do, and this is why we gather, is to stir your soul and to remind you of the power that is at work within you. That God wants to give you faith. I I agree with what Bruce shared this morning. I think it was perfect to continue to sow to the Spirit. Continue to sow to what God is doing in your life because in due time you will reap. The Lord this morning, He wants us to keep going. There is a mission that we're a part of. And at times what can happen is that in our discouragement we can begin to get on our heels. Well, the Lord wants to encourage us this morning to be leaning forward. To be leaning forward and think about that he is at work in our lives, that the Spirit of God dwells within us and in this church, and he wants us to enjoy and experience afresh and use the empowering presence of his Spirit. And so we're going to look and consider 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And and this, and though he is at times beginning to address the church, and this is corrective, these um, three chapters which he writes on spiritual gifts, this message this morning is not meant to be corrective, but it's meant to give us faith as we look at the role of the Spirit in our church. So look, at, look with me now, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray, to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the power of the Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I believe the Lord is encouraging us this morning through this text to pursue and use your Spirit-empowered gifts to serve others and glorify God. Pursue and use your Spirit-empowered gifts to serve others and glorify God. Now it seems that Paul is answering certain questions that this church has with regards to spiritual gifts. Look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul has received correspondence from this church with questions about spiritual gifts. This isn't the first time that Paul has used this language of now concerning spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul writes, Now concerning the matters about which you once wrote. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, Now concerning food offered to idols. And so the verses that we will be looking at this morning is a lengthy section and discussion on spiritual gifts and their proper place in the church. And it is a great moment for us to be stirred afresh 
with God's power and role in our lives and in the church. So to do this, we're going to walk through and consider the Spirit's power, what it's meant to accomplish with three points. First, the priority of the gospel, verses 1 through 3. It would be easy to skip over these first three verses and jump right into verse 4, where Paul begins his discussion about there is a variety of gifts but the Apostle Paul, he, he begins here because there is a trajectory that he is going to take. And this, these three verses is where he sees as essential to begin. And so the Apostle Paul wanted to get the Corinthians church their attention. And he too this morning wants to get our attention with the priority of the gospel. You see, I, I, at our house, I have this beautiful ash tree that's in our house right by our driveway. And after living in the house for a few years, the tree looked like it was beginning to die. The limbs were becoming bare. They were falling off. It was clear to me I am no arborist or tree expert, but even I could tell something's wrong here. It shouldn't be doing this. Um, and so I called an arborist and I had him come and look at it. And sure enough, he knew exactly what was wrong. He knew exactly what had needed to happen. He knew the beetle that was killing the tree. And I thought that what was going to have to happen is that he was going to have to cut the tree down. But what he came and told me is that actually what we need to do to address this is we need to pour this chemical in the roots of this tree so that it can go up into the roots and begin to bring healing to the life and kill the, pests or kill the beetles and bring life back to this tree. And, and like I said, Paul, he's addressing concerns that the Corinthian church had. There has begun to have spiritual pride in the church. And so what Paul wants to begin by saying is that before we begin talking about spiritual gifts, what's going on on the branches or the fruit of the tree, let's first go to the root problem here. And what Paul is saying is that what is happening in this church is that there is spiritual pride is that there is division and there's issues when we talk about spiritual gifts because there has become this hierarchy to where to be truly spiritual in this church meant that one spoke in tongues. And so what Paul wants to do here is to begin with what is the greatest confession? What is the greatest words that can come out of a person's mouth? And what he wants to begin with, it is not speaking in tongues, but it is Christ is Lord. And so what he wants to begin with is, and not pass over is that the one, the one who worked in your life, the greatest spiritual reality that has ever happened in anyone's life is that they have become a Christian. It's what we read this morning, that Titus 3, that we were once haters of God and haters of one another, but God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And there is no greater there is no greater remedy to spiritual pride than to consider afresh God's work in saving us. There is no greater remedy to feeling even not just boastfully pride, but also like, oh, I don't, or, or feeling sorry for yourself. That God hasn't given me these gifts like everyone else. 
Paul is saying, no, the definitive mark of the Spirit, the one thing, the most powerful thing, the most miraculous thing that God has ever done in your life is that you said and believed with your whole heart and now with your life that Jesus Christ is my Lord. That is a work of the Spirit. That is a miracle. That has eternal implications. That is life-changing. The only reason that there is a conversation to be had about spiritual gifts is because God, through His Son, and through applying it through the work of the Spirit, has given us new life in Christ. So the Spirit is the continuation of the heart of Christ for His people. So the Spirit has come And now he has given, he is, the Spirit is the continuation of the heart of Christ for his people. And without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable. It would be impossible. There can be no life without the life giver. No understanding without the Spirit of truth. There's no fellowship without the unity of the Spirit. There's no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit and no effective witness without his power. So this morning, the Lord wants to begin before us in saying that there is a power at work. If you have confessed that Jesus is the Lord, you have reason to rejoice. You have reason to hope. You have reason to remember. You have reason to confess and say that God has done an amazing work in my life. And if you are here this morning and if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, I believe the Lord has brought you here to hear this message. That there is a powerful work that God has done. There is an amazing work of grace that God has done. And there is nothing you can do to earn this salvation because you have sinned against the holy God. You've been created by this God. But God in his mercy sent his own son to rescue you. And apart from him intervening in your life, you will never believe it. But guess what? You are here this morning. The spirit of God is present. And you can call upon the name of the Lord and he will save you. He can be your Lord. It'll change your life. So before we move on, before we consider spiritual gifts, our reason to rejoice this morning is not because we're really gifted people. It's not because that we have a lot to bring to the table with regards to helping this world or helping one another. It's not to look at our spiritual resume and consider afresh either how well we're doing or how, not, uh, or how poorly we're doing. No, that is not the beginning place. Where we begin this morning is that we rejoice that our name is written in heaven. That's where we begin. We rejoice that our name is written in heaven. The greatest gift the Spirit has ever given us is the miracle of regeneration. He has made us alive in Christ. He has Come, he has given us a new heart. And what has he said? He says that I'm not only going to give you a new heart, not only going to give you eyes to see, but I'm going to take up residence in you. I'm going to live inside you. And I am going to work out. I am going to bring things in your life that you never thought you could do. I am going to bring tastes and I'm going to bring desires, and I'm going to bring affections, and I'm going to bring experiences that in and of yourselves you would never be able to experience. And, that's, and, and so all this, this is all before we talk about spiritual gifts. We, be, we, we remember this is the most definitive, most important, most powerful, most foundational work that God, through the Holy Spirit, has ever done.
Yet the Spirit has been poured out in our hearts and we have been given power to serve and we have been given gifts. So let us consider those. Point number two, a diversity of gifts from a generous God. Verses four through six. Paul in verses four through six wants to establish the right framework in thinking about the spiritual gifts. And and here is the definition of a spiritual gift. I really appreciate Jeff Perswell's definition. He says that a spiritual gift, spiritual gifts are gracious endowments of a generous God. They're not personal accomplishments or badges of spirituality. (laughs) Spiritual gifts are gracious endowments, meaning that they are gifts that have been handed down to us. Something that we don't have in and of ourselves, something that we can't say, this is what I did. No, they are things that God has given us, not on the basis of merit, but on the basis that he, in his kindness, wants to impart to us. And what I love about this definition is that God is generous. It's a generous God. God is not stingy. He's not holding things back from us. He's not holding it right in front of us. Oh, if only you had this gift, then you, no, he's generous. He loves to give these gracious endowments, these spiritual gifts. And they're not personal accomplishments or badges of spirituality. They're meant to glorify him and serve others. So Paul uses, as we look at verses 4 through 6, Paul, he highlights three terms to express the different aspects of the Spirit's work in the church. So first, Paul says there are a varieties of gifts, which stresses the free and undeserved nature of these expressions. It seems that Paul, he wants to take the same word used by the Corinthians, which they describe as spiritual phenomena, and instead call them gracious gifts. And so what Paul is wanting to highlight here is not these spiritual phenomena that come out of nowhere, but no, they're gracious gifts. God, they're from God. They're gifts to you. Varieties of service. This broadens the Spirit's work beyond the sphere of the supernatural, like speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, to normal acts of service and ministry in the church. Lastly, varieties of activities. This underlines the power of God that is at work in all of these expressions among believers, however spectacular or commonplace. And notice that all of this is placed by Paul in a Trinitarian formula which Bill reminded of us last week, that when the Spirit of God comes within us, it is the very presence of God, the Godhead coming in and dwelling within us. And and so when we think about the work of the Spirit in our lives is to have God at work. And so he says varieties of gifts from the same Spirit, varieties of service from the same Lord, varieties of activities from the same God. So Paul is making a point here that even in the midst of all the varieties and distributions of gifts, they all come from the same source. So no matter what your gifts are, no matter how you are serving and in the church, no matter what God has done in your life, it is all from God. There is no hierarchy. There is no, if you speak in tongues or prophesy, then you are better than those who just serve on the usher team or teach in children's ministry. Oh, if only you did this, then you will be a spiritual person and God will be really at work in your lives. That is the temptation and the tendency. That is spiritual pride coming out. And then what happens is that in the church, what will happen is that the broad work of the Spirit the, the Spirit at work this morning when people come at 7 a.m. to set up chairs and to do tech team and all that 
is just not even considered. But God's eyes are on them. Paul is saying the same, the same source, the same power, the same God, the same glory, the same miraculous purposes are being fulfilled in the seemingly mundane services by the people of God as are when we hear prophetic words on a Sunday morning. Behind everything, every one of them, each and every one, God wants us to get our attention. And so I, I don't know about you, but it can be so easy to miss or minimize how God is at work. This, this is what happens when we minimize the work of the Spirit. We get to miss out on what God is doing. When we pigeonhole the work of God, what happens is that we miss all the incredible ways, all the various ways, all the powerful ways that God is at work among us. It's easy to do this in our own lives, and it's easy to do that in the lives of others. But God is at work in our church. It's similar to when you buy it, when you, when you start to look at or buy a new car. Once you get that car, you see that car everywhere, don't you? My first car growing up was a Geo Tracker. This thing had 300,000 miles on it. The AC didn't work. It wasn't convertible, so I, I had that going for me. Um, I barely fit in the thing, but it was my first car, and I loved it. Um, There's a certain smell that came from it. But, but even in a geo tracker, I began to notice geo trackers. I began to see, whoa, geo trackers are everywhere. When God's Spirit comes to dwell within us, what should we begin to see is that God is at work everywhere. God is at work in places doing things that we just completely overlooked. God is at work in our homes in ways that we are unaware of. And that God wants us this morning to look and see that God is at work in our marriages. God is at work in your parenting. God is at work in your neighboring. God is at work in your friendships in ways that you're missing. And he wants to say, look and see. I am at work. I am within you. I don't waste any of it. Every conflict, every hard relationship, every hard thing at work, um, every friendship that goes well and every friendship where there's tension and conflict, I am at work fulfilling my plan and goodwill for you. I am at work. Don't miss it. But we do. And so as a church, what we want to do is we want to encourage one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to remind one another. We want to point out God's grace to one another that the Spirit is at work in each of our lives. And so we want to go to that person and encourage them. Trust me, no one is walking around too encouraged. I never meet somebody and say, oh, it's okay. I'm just really encouraged right now. I just don't need any encouragement. No, people need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged. I love to encourage I love to be encouraged, and I want to I serve the church. I want to remind people that God is at work in their lives, and I want to fan into flame that, hey, you're doing this. You're, you're here this morning. You're not considering yourselves. You are putting other, people, other people's interests first. It's actually going really well. The Spirit of God is at work in your life. Don't miss that. So God's calling us not only to receive that, 
but to go and encourage other people that way. And to be able to go, and, and, and that stirs in the church, that stirs in us the practice of the spiritual gifts. We're reminded that there are a variety of gifts, that God is at work in our lives, that the Spirit is empowering us to do ministry, to get things done in our lives. The world excels at criticizing one another. Let the church be a place where we excel at encouraging one another. The feeling in the world is that we can never measure up. It's never enough. Always seeing faults. Always pointing out the fault lines of separation. Not in the church, guys. There's a unity. There's a unity that we have. There is power that we have. There is a God that is at work in our midst to wear what we can as a culture through God's help, through the spirit of God's help, that we can go to one another and we can encourage one another. I love the image that Paul uses to illustrate the church as the body in 1 Corinthians 14. There are many members. All members are needed on the body. The ear can't say to the hand, you're unimportant or not needed. Christ is the head of the body. Christ is leading. He's directing. And the spirit is the breath. It's the vitality. It's the life. John Stott says this, As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. So as we gather this morning, as we gather this morning, and as we think about spiritual gifts, and as we think about what God is doing in our lives, and that there's a variety of gifts in the church, what, the reason all this can happen is because the spirit of God is here. The church is alive because the spirit is present, not just because we have really talented people, because we can really market ourselves well, because we can be really nice people in the community, uh, because we can get along with one another really well. No, 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 no. The reason this church exists, the reason that there's life in this church, the reason that, that we come and we experience something that, is, that this world can't offer is because the Spirit of God is here. Spirit of God is here, working in us, accomplishing His purposes, Gifting us in ways in which we can not only serve individually, but come together as a church and serve this community. And so what we want is we want more encouragement. We want to see God at work in this place. We want to, we want to step out in faith. We want to serve. We want to pursue the spiritual gifts. So how is this done? Well, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, here's how this is done on a Sunday morning. Think about it. One way that this is done each morning is through our prophetic ministry. It's, which is simply telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. This can take on different forms. It can be somebody have like a, just an encouragement. There can be imagery. There can be a picture. There can be a word. Uh, it can be from a scripture. These prophetic words, they don't carry any author- the same authority as the Bible, but it's under the authority of the scriptures. It's meant to edify and encourage the church, to build the church up. And each Sunday as we gather Here's, here's why this is so encouraging. We all come with burdens. We all come with questions and wrestlings and prayers and needs and, and, and things that we're asking God to do in our lives and, and, and questions that we're asking God, why are you doing this? We're battling unbelief. And isn't it kind of the Lord when brothers and sisters step up and out in faith, trusting the Lord, asking God to encourage the church, and they share something that's like they're reading your mail. And, 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 it's, and in the focus is not on that person. 
But the focus then turns to, okay, God is involved in my life. God has heard my prayers. God knows my frame. He, when, when Jesus said that God knows every hair on your head, he really meant that. That God is involved in the details of your lives. We're able to benefit to singing and benefit from the gifting of those in our church who can play instruments, who have wonderful voices. But what I love about the, the, the singing is that the focus is not so much on just these talents of these people, but they are worshiping the same God. What I love is that, yes, they are not distracting us because they're good at what they do, but that is helping us more and more to see God and to worship him. And as I look at these people, what I see are people who are not impressed with themselves, but very impressed and aware that God is worthy of our song and our worship. And then we're able to hear God's word proclaimed. God is gifted in, in pastors, men called by him to proclaim God's word. And if you're a parent here, what you get to do is you get to enjoy hearing the word of God undistracted because there are people who have been gifted and called and have a passion to care for your children in children's ministry as they not only just watch them run around and play, but they're watching them and teaching them and getting on their level and encouraging their faith and proclaiming God's word to them and God's truth to them so that you can sit in this room and you can hear and benefit from the preaching of God's word. Starting next month, I'm excited that we're going to be restarting our second Sunday ministry time. On the second Sunday of each month, what we do is we set aside time at the end of the meeting. And after the message, we, we invite people who feel led to to come and be prayed for and ministered to by the pastors and a certain group of individuals who we feel have been gifted. They're members of the prophecy team, but people that we've equipped and helped to care for and minister to people who come forward and want to be cared for and encouraged in their faith. I'm excited that we're able to bring this back because it allows and opens opportunities for us to see the Spirit at work in our lives. After the meeting this morning, we're able to go and we're going to enjoy lemonade on the lawn. It's put out by our hospitality team, which has individuals who desire to serve by creating and facilitating opportunities for us to enjoy fellowship over food and drinks. These are people who have a passion to do this. What they're doing is not just wanting to make really good food, but they're wanting to create a context to where people can enjoy the fellowship with one another. They're people who are gifted to do that. Isn't kind of the Lord when brothers and sisters step out in faith and seek to encourage the church? All this is just on Sunday mornings, what I just described. The Spirit's at work in and through all that. This doesn't take into consideration all that goes on during the week in community groups, members of our biblical counseling team, meeting with people and bringing God's word to bear on people's souls and lives, our compassion team, and all that they're doing to meet mercy needs in the community. People going and sharing the gospel and wanting to take God's, take the good news of Jesus Christ into our community. So, so why do I share all this? Why do I share all this? Here's why. I think D.A. Carson says it better than I could. He says, the triune God loves diversity. So much so that when he sends a snowstorm, he makes each snowflake different. You want to know what we manufacture? Ice cubes. That's great. Doubtless the church is in some sense like a mighty army, but that does not mean we should think of ourselves as undifferentiated khaki. We should be more like an orchestra, 
each part making its own unique contribution to the symphonic harmony. And so God is at work in so many ways in our church. He's gifted people in so many ways to serve the body of Christ. And, and, when you, and, and I think we don't do this enough. When you take a step back and you just consider all that God's doing, it really becomes, it's like an orchestra. And everyone is playing their instrument. Everyone is involved in the same song. Everyone is seeking to fulfill the same purpose and mission. As you step back and as you consider all that God's doing and you see the variety of it, what you begin to see and hear is the song of God by the people of God to the glory of God. And it's, this song is not just for the church to hear and see, but it's for the world to see. The church is the salt and light of this world. As the church, what we are called to do is we are on a mission and what God has done is given us and filled us with the Spirit so that we might have the opportunity to serve together and to fulfill this calling together. Not just individually, but He has said, I'm going to take your individual giftings and I'm going to bring it together like a body and I'm going to make you the church and I'm going to use you and I'm going to use you to be the salt and light of this world, to be a city set on a hill there that has this great light that is proclaiming to the world that it can be different, that there is hope, that there is truth, that there is goodness, there is joy, that there is hope and steadfastness. And it's not in this world, but it, it is in God. And we can proclaim this. And we can invite people in to do the, to see and hear the message of the gospel. What a pleasure. Just a pleasure. It's not a burden, but it's so kind of God that he would use us in this way. So in God's kindness and grace, each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, which we will consider in our third point. God's will for your gift. So in light of all this, what do I do? It's a common question we can have. So, yes, this is great, but what is God's will for my gifts? Well, Paul would say to each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So this is a great, this, this verse, in this one verse, Paul is saying a few things which should encourage you. To each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. So, if you are a Christian... If you have believed in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you have experienced new life in Christ, then what Paul is saying to you this morning, what God is saying to you this morning through his word is that you have been given gifts, that he has gifted you, that you have what he calls this is a manifestation of the Spirit. There is, there is this way to see the Spirit at work in your life. How do you see it? Well, he has gifted you in ways for who? For the common good. Every single believer has received a gift, and it's intended to be used for the common good. Gifts are not worked up to, but they are lived into. They are not things that one earns, but things that one is. Donald Whitney helpfully says this. He says, God has given you a spiritual gift, and it's not the same as a natural ability. That natural talent, rightly sanctified for God's use, often points toward the identity of your spiritual gift. But you should find out the special gift God has given you while you're serving as diligently as you can without that definite information. 
In fact, in addition to the study of Scripture, the best way to discover and confirm which spiritual gifts is yours is through serving. There's so much wisdom in that. There's so much wisdom in that. And so what I love about this is that at times we can think about, okay, so I need to go on like this week-long retreat and I need to just, just have time to where I can figure out what my spiritual gift is. And I'm just going to think about it. I'm pray about it. I'm going to just go through all these different surveys and things that I can figure out like, okay, this is what I like. This is what I can do. And, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in what Dr. Whitney is saying. What he is saying is that God has gifted you and, he, and you're going to find out what that is as you serve. And, and so what I want to encourage all of us this morning, especially those of you who have been wrestling, what is my spiritual gift? I think the Lord will reveal that to you at, in the context of serving in the church. And, and, and as you serve in the church and as you think about where that might be, I think the Lord will lead you and, and, and he will help you in that. So God has not left us to ourselves to figure this out. But he's graciously put us in the people of God. He is building his church. And now we get to consider how we can be part of that mission. And in the kindness of God, he's not asking you to be someone you're not. In fact, God, what God is doing through tr the transforming power of the gospel is sanctifying and redeeming your life's gifts, passions that were all once there. And he's using them to build the church. And so the goal here is not to become somebody that you're not. But it's, it's to ask God, who are you? What are you doing in my life? And how can I use what you're doing to serve others? And at times the focus can be, well, is it going to be enough? And I think this morning the Lord would want to encourage us that he's not looking for perfection, but he's looking for faithfulness. You know, I'll come home at times and my kids will have drawn me a picture. I have no idea what the picture is. No idea. I look to my wife, I'm like, hey, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that's great. It's wonderful. And I really mean it. And I think the Lord, I think at times we feel like we got to have this the perfect, this the right amount of gifting, the perfect, the perfect service. I got to do it just right. We just, we think about, we put so much pressure on ourselves that the Lord doesn't put on us. The Lord, what I love about when my kids bring those pictures to me and they say, look, Daddy, this is what we did. From the heart of a father, what I love is that you're mine and you're thinking about me and you're wanting to honor me. And I am just a heaven, I mean, I am an earthly father, fallen, but our, our, our heavenly father who loves perfectly, who has brought us into his family, who loves us, who loves us with unfailing love. When we seek to serve him, when we seek to use our gifts to honor him, when we seek to step out in faith and see what might happen, how might this be? How might God use this for his glory and to serve others? If it doesn't go well, God is not up there saying, what in the world are you doing? No, God is saying, oh, my child, you are seeking to serve. You are seeking to be faithful. You're seeking to honor me with what I've given you. Well done. Keep going. Don't be discouraged. Get your eyes off of yourselves and what you're doing and remember who I am. Remember my heart. Remember what I have done in your life. I think we have a picture. One of the things I love doing about teaching our Exploring Cornerstone Church of Knoxville class is I get to remember the history of this church. And um, we have these wonderful pictures. Church 
began April 30th in 1990. And when you look at this picture, when you think about this is where it started, and you think about all that's happened in 31 years, and you think about all the serving, all the sacrifice, when you think about hearing Bill Kittrell leading the singing, When you think about people that are in that picture who are still here today, faithfully serving, faithfully laying down their lives, faithfully using their gifts to build this church and all the lives that are transformed. Where we are today, planning two churches, sending missionaries to the world. This is what this is about. When I see these pictures, I remember this, this isn't an impressive group of people, but in with these people is the Spirit of God. In these people... They are seeking to be faithful to God. They are seeking to to proclaim the gospel. These people, what they did is said, Lord, we want to be used by you in ways that will advance your mission. And today, as we look at our church, as we look at where we are and what the Lord might do, I hope this gives us faith. The same spirit is at work today. The same power is available to us today. The same mission is still here. And so let's pursue And let's use our gifts for the glory of God and to serve others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the church. Thank you, Lord, that in your kindness, you knew exactly what we would need. And what you gave is yourself. And Lord, you promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You promise that he, you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. You've filled us with your spirit. You've given us gifts. We have every reason to leave today stirred in our faith, asking Lord, oh Lord, what can you do in my life? How can I serve? How can I enjoy being part of what you're doing? And so Lord, I pray that as we serve this church, Lord, that you would use us in ways which would exalt the name of Jesus Christ that you would be present this week, that you would be present in every home, in every life. I pray that you would be at work within us, fulfilling your good purposes for your glory. Oh, Lord, you are so kind and gracious to us. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Jake Simmons during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.